0: You know, as we were uh, in prayer earlier, chasing him down. <laughs> as we were in prayer earlier, that was one of the things the Lord just just rose up on the inside of me was freedom. Freedom. Wow. I've <clears throat> come to understand that uh, when we've been bound or allowed things to be a, a, to hold us for so long, that freedom and even the thought of freedom can be scary. <laughs> to think things are going to be different than what we're familiar with, even though we know that it's better, it's still difficult to let go of the familiar. Josh, come on up and share your testimony. I want to just give room for what the Lord has done.
1: We've had a lot of stuff that's been... Uh just a lot of blessings this probably last couple weeks and um, we've made some some severe changes in our our lifestyles Um, M's staying home with Lily and we have a baby on the way and if you didn't know that now you do (laughs) Um, so we've had to make some financial decisions to change things up so that we could be able to do what we're wanting to do and so a lot of those things were you know we have to cut out a lot of the extras a lot of the you know things you don't really need but you just want and so we started uh looking into what was the biggest chunks that we could do and things that could you know get us in a a better financial place and so we uh we were sitting in our living room right after one of our small groups and Cameron came up to us and said that his dad was selling a it was a 96 Toyota Avalon and it's got like 332,000 miles on it and uh And it just, for me, I just, that's what we need right there. I want that car. And he said, are you serious? I said, yeah, I want that car. And so he was gracious enough to wait on me to get my tax return back so that I could purchase it. But um, we sold our Trailblazer, and I sold it in like a week. I mean, it was gone. I mean, everything. The guy... Got me the check, came to my house, saw the car, test drove it, got me a check within a couple of days, and they had it the same day. The guy actually drove to Winston, picked up the title, brought it back to me so I could sign it over to him. <laughs> I mean, the piece of cake. I mean, the easiest car I've ever sold in my life with a lien on it. And so, we've had just big things like that. I mean, just where God's just made it happen. And so, um, we bought this car, and I called my buddy because I wanted him to check it out, look it over, and that kind of thing, and... Um, and he said, yeah. He said, just bring it up. He works at a Toyota dealership. And um, he said, just bring it up. I'll throw it up on a lift, take a look at it, this and that. And well, there's a check engine light on. So I said, I want you to look at that, see what's going on with it. And, uh, and we, I ran it over to AutoZone. And they had ran it on like one of their little computer things to tell you what's wrong with it. And um, come to find out, he was like, yeah, it's, it's going to be this part and this thing and whatever. So I called him. And I said, look. I said, this is what they're saying. The codes are, whatever. He said, well, he said, it might run you $500 to $1,000. And I thought, oh my God, I just spent eight hundred dollars for this car. <laughs> There's no way I can do that. And he said, just bring it up here. I'll look at it and see what it is. And so we, we brought the car up there, and um, he ran the codes through it. and And it's so old that he had to do like a special way to figure out what the codes were wrong with it. And so anyway, he he finally figured out what it was. and And all it all it ended up being um, was there was some gunk. It, Oil or gas has changed so much in the last couple of years, it's just built up carbon inside the motor. So that's exactly what had happened is there was a little bit of carbon had built up in the motor and was making this light come on. And so he said, Man, this won't take 20 minutes. He went in there, and flipped out this carbon and, and cleaned it out, and boom, started right up, no problems. Everything, the light went out, everything. And I'm like, Okay. I said, How much you, how much you going to charge me? He said, I'll oh, man it take me 20 minutes. He said, I am going to charge you nothing. So I'm thinking $1,000 a <laughs> week prior didn't cost me a dollar. Come on. Not to mention, he gave me four floor mats for our, our Avalon for free because he had pulled them out of a car that they were... You're getting a used car. He works at the dealership, and they were going to sell it. He said, well, we got to pull everything out of it so you can have them. So I got all weather mats put in it, and then he bought me a drink on top of that. <laughs> <laughs> so, needless Come to on. say, I was like, okay, Lord, thank you. I I can take that. And so that sounds awesome, but I'm not done yet. Come on. All right. So car gets fixed for free, right? I, it's got an out tail or a out headlight, and Cam had called me and said, Hey, I got a buddy of mine that works at a junkyard, probably can get you a part for it. Well, I went over to AutoZone just to see, you know, how much it's going to cost me for this thing, because we weren't sure if they're going to have a part. And the guy at AutoZone says, Oh, it's 250 bucks for that part. And I'm like, God, this car is going to kill me. So, so Cam calls me back, and he goes, No, man. He said, She said they got the headlight. They got, they got a 97 Avalon, which is exact, it's the same body style, same everything, and it's $29 for the headlight. I'm like, okay, this is what I'm talking about. That's, that's more doable. I can handle that. So we get the, or get the headlight for $29. And so we've been making all these changes with our finances and stuff. And so we had talked about, well, we're going to sell our cars and we're just going to drive this Avalon. And, uh, and put our cars on sale. I mean, we've done everything that, that we can do to make sure this stuff happens. And uh, we had somebody come up to us and say that they wanted to buy us a car. Brand new car, um, so that they would pay our payments for us. They said, "You finance it, and we'll." We set up an account on Friday, um, and they put a thousand dollars in the account to pay the next five months worth of payments, and uh, and so that's going to pay the payments that we have on the car that we have now in in the process of selling it, and so they're going to continue to pay it till it's paid off, and so we get a free car. Come on, and an eight hundred dollar car, so now we are, we don't have any. Any card debt, in yeah. essence, all right? Come on. I'm still not done yet. Come on. <laughs> all right. So our our dogs decided they wanted to ruin our carpet at our house. <laughs> Let's just say that much. We Last year, our taxes, we fixed some of the floors. This year, we were like, man, we really need to fix these floors. How are we going to do that? So I told him, I'm like, she was kind of having having a moment, you know, we're like, oh, come on, Lord. And this is all before all this happened. So we're sitting there. And we're like, all right, Lord, we just, we need some stuff to come through. You know, we are kind of, you know, we're making all these different decisions. M's not going to be working. What are we going to do? Kind of thing. And we're kind of stressing about it a little bit. And I told him, I said, look, I said, he's bigger than all our problems. I said, That's we just right. sat down and we prayed and we said, all right, Lord, you just work it out. I said, you know the plan. I don't, I'm not going to worry about it. And then all this stuff starts happening. So the carpets, we had somebody else come up to us and say, Hey, we want to buy you all the new carpets that you needed in your house. Came to us and said that. And, I, and this is all in the same day. <laughs> come on. Keep that in mind. We get a free car, we get free carpets in our house. All this stuff's coming. We hadn't got it yet, but they, they said that they were going to pay for it. And I had to write a list so I could remember everything. Um, so got a new car, and then, and on top of that, somebody else had came up to us. Em said, well, we do not have any money to go on vacation this, this summer. And so we normally go on vacation with her parents once a year because they have a beach house, and we go down there and stay. And, uh, and we weren't sure if we were going to be able to do because Em's going to be doing September, and it's going to be into August, and then you guys know if you've been pregnant. In August, it's not fun if you're pregnant. So Em's like, oh, we really, really would like to be able to go to the beach before that. And, and this is just like, okay, Lord, we're just, and M's been writing them down. She said, this is some of the stuff, Lord, that we just, these are desires of our heart. And yeah. He said, He'll give you the desires of your heart. So somebody else came up to us and said, Hey, we want to pay for you guys to go for a week to the beach. So M's going to go for a week. I'm going to get to go for three days because I got to work. <laughs> <laughs> so M's going to go to the beach she for didn't a week. She
0: that in there, did she? That she would have, I'm no. just kidding. <laughs>
1: No, I'm using all my paid time off so that I can stay home with the baby when she has the baby for two weeks. So, that's a blessing in itself anyway. Amen. All right. So, continues on. Oh, you didn't think you were going to get all this, did you? I'm good, man. <laughs> so, uh, so our, on this same day that we start having all this, these emotions going on, our dryer goes out. And we go, oh, God. let's <laughs> real weird. I need a new dryer now. What am I going to do? And so I told him, I said, you know, over the past, I don't know, four or five years, we've been replacing our dryers or our washer or something. Because we just keep getting old ones, and then, you know, they just die on you. And so we had this dryer go out, and I go, oh, man, I wonder how much it's going to cost to fix it. I call my dad. He comes over and he looks at it. He said, it's gonna, you know, it's the timer on the dryer. And I was like, okay, so call the parts place. They're like, oh, it's going to cost you $125 for this part. I'm like, it's just I could probably buy a new one on Craigslist for that. And so, uh, <laughs> Craig and minute. I found them on Craigslist. Let's just say that much. So anyway, um, we <laughs> we we were sitting there, and I, I said, "All right, Lord, what what is wisdom in this situation? I don't want to go another two years and have to replace another one. So let's use some wisdom here. Let's not have a poverty mindset. And say let's just get by. Let's Come on. let's move forward. So we got some time. And so uh, I started looking on Craigslist, and I found. Uh, two-year-old brand-new washer-dryer with a two, it still has a two-year warranty on it from Best Buy for $400. And so we sold our uh, dry, or our washer for $150 for, uh, Brian and, and Tyler bought it from us, for $150. And then somebody else blessed us with $100 towards it. So we paid 25 bucks, really, more than we would have. And we got a brand-new washer, brand-new dryer with a warranty for two years. Come on. So, come on. Let me check my list here. <laughs> so anyway, then we're sitting in our house. Was it Saturday? Friday? It had have been Saturday. I was home from work. It was Saturday. So we're sitting in our house, and we're watching TV, talking. I'm folding laundry because I'm a good husband. And my Come wife on. Loves me. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> from our new washer and dryer that we just got, <laughs> which I was a little excited about if you couldn't tell. <laughs> So, anyway, we're sitting there, and I'm folding laundry, and I think Em's watching some baby TV show on YouTube or something, and, uh, and I hear a ring at the doorbell, and I go, I wonder who that is, and uh, we thought, man, this is kind of strange. Normally, people don't come to our front door. They always come to our side door because they know us. If you come to our front door, you 're know a salesman, so we don't answer the door. <laughs> <laughs> Just a heads up. So, anyway, so I go to the front door, and I'm looking, and this gentleman comes to the door. He's our next-door neighbor from uh, beside of us, and uh, and he said, hey, he said, I work at Alamance Rescue Mission. And he said, I, I've i got a bunch of stuff. It's not expired yet, but it's about to expire. It's a bunch of yogurt and a bunch of bread and uh, some kind of sprouts or something. Kale sprouts, which oh, I thought of you. <laughs> I about grabbed a couple for you. Um, so anyway, and I'm like, oh, man, this is awesome. I mean, I mean, we're not talking like cheapo yogurt. We're talking like the, what is it, the... The Greek yogurt, the nice stuff—it's got the fruit in it, whatever. Oh yeah, you know the good stuff. <laughs> and <laughs> and there, you know, he had pints, you know, of, of vanilla, and then he had a bunch of these other ones. And I thought, man, this is awesome. I, I'll take a little bit of it. But I had had a boy that come up to our house, and we know money's tight. And I'm like, this kid come up and he's like, hey man, can I mow your yard for you? And I'm like, yeah, I don't know about that, but maybe I'll have something come up and because he was wanting to do it like routinely and I'm I just can't afford to pay you 80 dollars a month to mow my yard and so I thought okay what can I do and I really prayed about it I'm like Lord I know this kid he needs Jesus and uh and I told him I said I know money's tight I said but I feel like we we can do this and so he had come over and I had a bunch of weeds in my yard and some work that I needed some help with I said how can I bless this little guy and and help him out and whatnot And, and so I told him I said let's 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 do this. I said, "We'll have him come over. He can help me in the yard or whatever." And so uh, I called him, had him come down. and He said, "Man, I'll I'll, I'll do all of it. Say thirty dollars. I'll pull your weeds, whatever." And I'm like, "All right, that'll work." And uh, we talked more than we did weed pulling. Let's just say that much. And so we were able to kind of bless him and pour into him. He was. Uh, it reminded me going back to youth. I mean, it was same kind of conversations and stuff. So it was really a blessing. Um, but able to really talk with him and bless him and, and pour into him. And then I found out that they have six kids in their family. And they're renting this little house. And let's just say this house is not big enough for six people or six kids, not to mention two more adults. And, um, and so they have, a, a, it's like a Mitsubishi eclipse. But the sunroof it has a convertible top and the, sun, the convertible top doesn't go up anymore. So when it rains, you do the math. So uh, I thought, man, I just really want to bless this family. And so this guy come up and he's like, man, I got all this stuff and whatnot. And and uh, I was like, man, I said, there's a couple or a family that lives up the street. I said, why don't we go out there and, and bless them? He's like, well, you know, I don't really know them. Will you go with me? And I'm like, sure, <laughs> why not? I'm in my bare feet walking up the road with this guy. So we're carrying this stuff up there and we get to talking with the family. And the the mom comes out and she is just. I mean, doesn't even know what to do with herself. I mean, just beside herself. She's like, God, we go through yogurt like you wouldn't believe. You know, we have so much of it that we need. And and then, of course, we had bread and stuff like that. And she's like, man, this just, I don't even know what to say. I'm so blessed. Da, da, da. I'm like, I didn't even have the stuff. This guy had the stuff, you know. And and she's like, no, she said, just don't know what, what kind of blessing that is. So God has shown me a lot through all of these different testimonies and things and there's a handful of other ones that were coming um, that we may share later Um, but in that I just encourage you if you're sitting there and you're thinking and I I know people in this church that have said this to me I I know what I'm doing in my life and it doesn't make sense to anybody else but God I don't know how he's going to work it out I don't know how this is going to happen but he works it out so so Remember, when we were singing that song, He's talking about, you know, the breath in my lungs. I thought, if you can't just be thankful that you got breath in your lungs, there's a problem. Yeah. You know, God will do above and beyond more than that. But you got to start with the small thing of, you know what, I'm thankful for this. So if you hear this and you think, man, why doesn't he do that for me? Because I have heard that before. I remember a, a testimony that Bethel had given, and it was about, what's the guy's name? Is it? The, the deaf, Eric, Eric, Eric Johnson. Johnson, he's deaf. And his dad has seen, I don't know how many people get healed of hearing. And he said, he, every time that he's seen somebody get healed, he looks at his dad and he goes, one more, one more person closer to me getting my healing. Not, why didn't he do it for me, but Come one on. more person closer. So I encourage you in that. If you have things that are going on in your life, you've got struggles that are going on in your life, that you go, okay, God, that's one more closer to mine.
0: Amen. Amen. He is faithful. Amen. He is so good. And that I wanted Josh to be able to share that because I, I want us to understand that he's the same. Hebrews thirteen eight says it's my life's verse says Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. That's a good word. Amen, that he's not changed, that he's the same. And what we have to do is just be intentional to keep our eyes set on him. You know, it was just a few weeks ago that I I spoke and I talked about distraction and how easy it is to be distracted, how easy it is to allow things that are going on to distract us from what God's wanting us to see. And I used the illustration that Stephen had used about the dot on the middle of the paper. You hold up a piece of paper with a dot on it, 100% 100% of the time, I think Tish has used this before as well, almost 100% of the time, you ask somebody what they see, they'll tell you a dot. You know what? It's universal. It's universal. That illustration is universal. We proved it out because we used it in the DR last week, two weeks ago. We did the same thing. We put a dot on a piece of paper. and said, well, you see, un punto. Un punto. I see the point. I see the dot. That's what I see. And Steven was able to teach right there from using that illustration, so it's universal. So you're free to use that wherever you, tra- wherever you tra- uh, travel across the world. You can use that illustration about distraction. Just put a little dot on a piece of paper. It'll break down any language barrier you c- about distraction. So as I was thinking about that, you know, this last week, I don't remember. I, don't, I really don't remember what all I shared last Sunday. I know we showed a lot of pictures and, and all, but I was still kind of in a fog. <laughs> Last Sunday, after traveling all day Saturday, I left early Saturday morning. It was late Saturday afternoon when I got home. Uh, So it was kind of a a fall. But just talking about the favor of God, I just got to brag on the Lord. When Josh is sharing his testimony, when I went to the airport, uh, if you don't know, Stephen, myself, and Joyce went down two weeks ago today. Uh, I was down for six days. They stayed for 10. Uh, They came back Tuesday. But... um, when, we were, when I was flying back, I flew back Saturday morning, so I had to be at the airport at 5 o'clock. So Stephen got up. <laughs> He's a champ, I'm going to tell you. I, I'm getting ready, and it's like I, the Lord is just good. Can we just declare the Lord is good? Because I, I'm telling you what, I'm a living testimony of the goodness of the Lord. I'm, I, that night before I go to bed, I tell Raphael, I said, All right, Rafi, I said, we got to leave in the morning at, at five so that I can be there on time. And he said, all right. He said, if I'm not up, just knock on my door. And I said, no, if you're not up, I'm going to go, Raphael. I said, I'm going to yell. Well, 11 after four, after my alarm's been going off for 11 minutes, Raphael knocks on my door <laughs> and wakes me up. And I'm like, great, are you, Lord? <laughs> so I wake up, get ready, and I'm getting ready, and Stephen gets up. I, at the point time, I thought he was maybe sleepwalking or something because it's 4.30 in the morning. He's awake. He just, that's not his thing. I said, what are you doing? He said, I said, you going with me? He said, no, I'm just getting ready for giggles. Yeah, he was going with me. So Stephen and uh, Raphael took me to the airport, and uh, I, get, I get inside, and I'm sitting there, and there's, it's packed. I'm, I'm saying it looked like RDU, <laughs> this little airport. It was full of people. The plane was full of people going to the U.S., and I'm sitting there and it's about, we're about to start boarding and the lady comes up to me and she goes, can I see your ticket? And I said, sure. So she looks at my ticket. She said, okay, thank you. That was all she said and she walked off. So we're starting to board and we go up and if you've flown, you know, you go up, they scan your ticket and it turns green. That's a good thing. Green means go. She scanned my ticket and it turned red. <laughs> uh, that's not a good thing. It's, Six o'clock in the morning, I'm supposed to be flying out of here, and my ticket's red. She said, oh, hold on just a minute. Here's your permanent ticket. You've been upgraded to first class. <laughs> Jesus, I thought of John. <laughs> You've been upgraded to first class. So the, the flight that I wasn't excited about because I was flying from the Dominican Republic to JFK. I was flying past Florida, past Atlanta, past Charlotte, past Raleigh, to to New York. I wasn't excited about that. I'm flying all the way to New York to come back to to Raleigh. But when I found out I was in first class, I'm like, thank you, Lord, for a three and a half hour flight. I guess it. I had water at my seat when I sat down. Last time John and I went to the DR, he got first class on the way back, and I was back (laughs) with the rest of us. John said, I just wanted to come back and see you. I said, go back to your (laughs) seat. Just go back to your seat. Well, <laughs> oh, you're my buddy. I didn't want you back out. Oh, yeah. Go back to your leather recliner in first class. So we I had a hot meal. It was a Dominican breakfast. That was awesome. I had a little piece of fried cheese, some scrambled eggs, some pico, some fresh fruit. Come on, somebody, in a pastry. I'm just saying. Then she asked me if I wanted another one. I said I better not. <laughs> little hot towel to wash my hands. I'm telling you, it was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. That's just a kiss from the Father. That's you know, just one of those kisses from the Father when he wants us to know how much he loves us. You know, I've flown a lot and never been in first class. It didn't mean he didn't love me. But it was an opportunity for me to just tell him, thank you, Father. I'm so thankful. Because it was a full flight, but first class wasn't full. That was learn. That was awesome. I drink my water in the empty seat's water. <laughs> I'm just saying, come on. <laughs> but over the trip, one of the things that the Lord really spoke to my heart <clears throat> is that for just about this whole year, I've talked about the importance of relationship. I've talked about how we can't be doing life together. Uh, we can't be doing life separate. We've got to be doing life together. That if we're doing it separate, we're not fulfilling what Jesus came not only to do, but also that he modeled for us right? Jesus lived his life among these 12 men. More than that, there was the 12 that he chose, but if you study scriptures in Luke, he sent out 70 at one time, 72. He just called, these were the ones that were following him. So it wasn't this, that they were just Jesus and these 12, and they always secluded themselves. There were times that he brought them apart and talked to them, but Jesus lived his life among the people, with the people, His life was intertwined with them in their cultures. It's it's more than one reference. It talks about, and Jesus passed through their midst, and they didn't even know he was there. Why? Because he looked like them. He lived with them. He did life with them. He didn't just come and impose his will on everyone around him. He came and met them where they were and did life with them. That's so powerful. And as, as I was looking at that, this is Joyce's picture. This is what Joyce did while she was down that week. Isn't that amazing? That's awesome. And when they left, Raphael painted the floor blue and the steps white. <laughs> Comrade Carmen, his wife said, "No, don't do that." Anyway. <laughs> but as, as we were there, and I was meditating on this, and I was thinking about what I had preached prior to coming. When I when I read, uh, went back and listened to the message. The first message I ever preached at this church. And talked about the river in Ezekiel 47, how the river flows out. And I went back and I looked at that and I started thinking about that. And as I was on this trip thinking about relationship, it was on the plane in first class. I'm just kidding. It was on the plane on the way back that the Lord began to give me downloads of everything he had taught me the week I had been there. And I'm glad that he gave me time to just kind of relax and process because it was all happening so differently. And the things that he taught me there is about the importance of doing life together and the difference in a plan and an agenda. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But one of the things, that, as I was sitting there, and I shared this with Stephen... We had a lot of things to do. We had a plan going down, and one of the things that Steve and I talked, that we're not going to have an agenda. An agenda is a man-driven, it's ideological, but my idea of how it ought to go and the timing it should go, that's an agenda. Here's what I believe should happen, when it should happen, how it should happen. A plan says these are objectives and priorities, and we want to see them happen, but it's not rigid. Are you with me? There's a huge difference because I've done a lot of ministry as an agenda and not as a plan. So as I'm flying back, the Lord is talking to me about the difference between a plan and agenda. And he said, if you'll just take time and look, you had a plan going down. And I was able to do what I wanted to do in you and through you. And as I looked at that, one of the things that Raphael wanted is he always wanted either myself or Stephen with him when he would go do things. And I'm talking about like getting insurance on the van. We went down. I shared this last week. I know that, that we got there on Monday Uh, about 1.30 Monday morning, and I'm not just going to tell stories, but testimony is important. It's the testimony of Jesus. It's the spirit of prophecy. It's saying that he can do. And I've talked and taught and taught about us doing life together. And I've talked about the importance of having vital relationships, people that you allow to be iron to you. I've talked about the importance of having people that you've walked through life with, not just when it's comfortable, but when it's uncomfortable. And as I was down this week, I I hope Raphael was blessed and the others were blessed, but God did such a work on the inside of me that he let me live out what I've been preaching for three or four months. Because we would go, and he said, all right, we're going to go do insurance. Monday, we went. We got up. We didn't get a lot of sleep. We got up Monday morning, and we went to look at the van. And Stephen said, one of the things that we want to do is we want to take it to a mechanic. We had not said anything about we were going to buy the van. And I want you to know, I want to say to you from Raphael, thank you so very much for sacrificially giving. He, his wife, and myself all wept when we told him that, they were going to get a van, and it wasn't going to cost them anything because they had already gone to the bank to get the loan and things like that. And he was just overwhelmed. He when I when we told him in the in the van uh, in the car, I think it was I can't remember on the way to the house. He said I don't even know what to say. But from that point on, what I noticed is that he wanted us to be with him wherever he went. I mean, every little detail. We went to get insurance on the van. And he said, I want you to come. I thought we were going to get windshield wipers for the van because the windshield wipers were broken. It was scratching the windshield. But we were going to get insurance on the van. And this trip to the insurance should have taken 20 American minutes. (laughs) It took two and a half Dominican hours. (laughs) Just saying. We pull up to the auto parts store. I thought... We're gonna get a windshield wiper. We walk in, I pile out, I'm smiling, smiling American, the green goat, the white guy. You know, I'm smiling, I'm looking and, and looking around, and there's the auto parts right here. And there's two ladies over here, they're dressed a little different. I just thought they ran the counter, you know, did the bills and stuff like that. So we're there, and we're there, and we're there, and I, I look at Rudy, the translator, I so I'm gonna go sit in the car. <laughs> I don't need to be here. I'm just going to go sit in the car. So I go sit in the car. He comes out, and he says, well, he's doing insurance in the auto parts store. He's buying insurance just the way it is. Well, this thing took two and a half hours, and I wasn't frustrated. I was, At the time, I was there for him. I wasn't frustrated. I didn't allow it to frustrate me. The Lord taught me a lot in that too because if you have a plan, you go, all right, Lord, I'm going to give room for you to move, but if I have an agenda, then I'm always about my time schedule and about me getting my thing done. And I can get frustrated really easy. And I'm telling you, the Lord taught me so much about how I've allowed that to ru- rule my life. So from one event to the other, all the way down to Thursday, we were, uh, there was something else that we need to take care of. And he, said, he looked at me and he said, you going with me. And I was, spent. I was tired because we'd been up late. I don't know if they live that way all the time. I think they pretty much do because Thursday night here at my house... 10.30 at night, he, roughing I was texting over the uh, messenger, and he said, you had dinner yet? It's 10.30. I said, dinner? Dude, I'm in the bed. I'm <laughs> getting ready to go to sleep. Oh, well, good night. God bless. But they, were, they have Thursday night service, so I'm sure they were just getting ready to eat. There were several nights we ate dinner at 10.30 or 11 o'clock. So Thursday came, and I said, Stephen had the free day on Tuesday. And uh, free day, I mean, I I did all the running, and Stephen just kind of hung out at the house and went, Conrad took him out to dinner, lunch, and we won't go there. It wasn't an offense. I'm over it. (laughs) He had a fun day with Conrad. But anyway, so Thursday, he said, you going with me? And it was to the mechanic again. I looked at him, I said, no. (laughs) I'm staying here. He's thinking, Stephen, Stephen, you going with me? Stephen looked at me, said, I'm going to take one for the team. I'll go with you. This trip to the mechanic was like three and a half, four hours, wasn't it? At least. And here's the thing. You can start out at 10 in the morning, and you think, well, we'll be back for lunch. You will. Whenever lunch gets there. (laughs) Lunch is not a time. It's an event. Okay? Just so you know that. It's not a lunch time. That's irrelevant. Lunch is whenever you get there. You eat lunch at 3.34 so you can eat dinner at 11. (laughs) I've got it figured out. That's the way that it works. But every, everything that he did, he wanted us there, little things. And the Lord said, you know why? Because as you were there with him, there were opportunities that you had to do life with him and to speak into him. It wasn't just, hey, I've come from America to tell you how you should run your church. I've come to America to tell you what it looks like to, to do it right. There was none of that. We sat down and said, and that was the thing that was so cool. Is uh, he was so excited that we were going to share a vision with him. I, I just remembered. So one night we were sitting at the table, it was about 11 o'clock. I said, All right, I'm going to go read the word some and, uh, and pray. Raphael went in the room, came back with three Bibles and a notebook. <laughs> I looked at him, I talked to the interpreter. I said, What are you doing? He said, We're going to do a Bible study. I said, No, you misunderstood. <laughs> I said, I'm going to bed and I'm going to study my Bible. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not sitting here doing a Bible study right now. That was Tuesday night, I believe it was. Anyway, I just remembered that. But the Lord showed me how interwoven our lives was when we allowed it to be. That we didn't go down with an agenda to tell him how to make things right that weren't right. We went down to, to do life with him. And the Lord so gently spoke to me. And he said, Todd, what you did for five and a half days is what you've preached for four months. Is it, it wasn't just a text thing. And you know what? Realistically, everything that we got accomplished, we could have gotten accomplished over the phone. It would have been a lot more difficult, but we could have gotten it accomplished over the phone or over email or things like that. But you know what we would have missed? would have missed life and doing life with him and, and telling him not just, hey, I believe in you, I'm here for you, but being there with him. Doing the things to me at the time seemed menial that I didn't really need to be a part of, but for him, it meant everything. One that was so precious is we went to pay off the guy, and I may have said this last week, I don't even know, when we went to pay off the loan at the hardware store. Did I tell that last week? Maybe. Y'all look confused, so I'll say it again. (laughs) We went, and uh, that was the same day that we got insurance. We went, and he had bought material on loan to finish the wall that Joyce painted, the top part of that wall. He finished so we go in, and there's a counter, like a regular counter, but there's a door right here, and it's a metal door uh, with a lock, and a guy standing behind it has got a shotgun. I'm like, well, I'm glad we're going here and we're not going in there. I don't know what goes on in there, but I'm happy here. <clears throat> so Raphael turns from the counter and comes back, and guess what? We go in the metal door with the guy with a shotgun. It's, it's like an iron door, a barred door. And we go in, and then there's a little waiting room. We sit down in the waiting room with the guy with a shotgun, and the bad thing about it is, is, he's, he's an older guy, and I mean, really, it, and I'm not being funny. I could have smacked him, kicked him, and took his gun before he could have moved. <laughs> that didn't make me comfortable. That made me nervous because he's probably going to be jumpy with the gun if he's that old. And that's <laughs> I said. So we sit in the room with him, and then there's a, a, a mirrored glass and another door, and then they open that door, and I, I knew it was the Lord because this cold breeze come blowing out. There was air conditioning in that room. Hallelujah. Gloria a Dios. Dios te bendiga. God bless you. Fuego de Dios. I'm trying to give all of Stephen's Spanish terms that he knows. But we walk in, and it's the guy who owns the hardware store, and we sit down, and he, they talk a few minutes, and then Rafael tells me how this guy's really been there for him, that he was introduced through the principal at Rafael's school, and that he's really been there for him and allowed him to get material on credit he said he's kind of been like a father to me he didn't know me when we were introduced and he's just really believed in me well we're sitting there and we're talking and we're talking to the translator and I see him talking to Raphael I see Raphael do this and then Rudy the translator says he just told Raphael that if you're his pastor and that was just the way in the culture if you're his pastor then he should know English so he told Raphael that he's going to pay for him to go to school to learn English I mean, that's the Lord. This is a guy that Raphael owed money. He had come to pay the money with money that the church had given in support for him. And he was paying off this bill. And the man says, if this is your pastor and he speaks English, you should speak English. You shouldn't have to have him translating for you. I want to pay for your school. You know what? That wouldn't happen if we hadn't been there. And the Lord began to show me the importance of that. And he took me back to Ezekiel 4 wow, y'all, Josh, you took too long. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm just kidding. As I went back to, to Ezekiel 47, and it talks about the river, comes out of the house of God, and everywhere the river goes, Ezekiel 47, on everywhere the river goes, there's life. That's the verse that this church was started on. That's why we're called the river. If you wonder why we're called the river and we're not by a river, it's because we're not geographically named. We're scripturally named. It's because the river, we're planted by that river that brings life. I believe it's the river of the Holy Spirit who comes out of us and affects change around us. But the passage that just, the part of that passage just really jumped out to me was where it talked about their trees planted by the river. In Ezekiel 47, it says, verse 6, he asked me, have you been watching, son of man? Then he led me back along the riverbank. When I returned, verse 7, I was surprised by the sight of many trees growing on both sides of the river. He said, I was I was, astonished by, I was astonished by the many trees. If you drop down uh, to verse 11, but the marshes and swamps will not be purified. They will be salty. Verse 12, fruit trees of all kinds will grow along both sides of the river. The leaves of these trees will never turn brown and fall, and there will always be fruit on their branches. There will be a new crop every month, and they are watered by, flowing, <clears throat> by the river flowing from the temple. The fruit will be food and the leaves for healing. And I started meditating on that. I said, all right, Lord, I know we're trees. We're by the river. What does that have to do with <clears throat> family? What does that have to do with being connected? And I'm telling you, it was the Lord because I just didn't have it in me. He took I, the two other passages I shared that week I want to share real quick. Psalms 1, 1 through 3 says, Oh, bless uh, the joys of those who do not follow after the vice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They are like trees planted by the river bank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaf never withers, and they prosper in all they do. That sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Jeremiah seventeen seven through eight says, "Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a river bank, whose roots reach deep into the water." Such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. The leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. That sounds pretty good. What is that? It's connected to the life of the Holy Spirit. It's being connected to the life of God because the Father, Son, Holy Spirit are one... Amen. Don't, me, don't let me throw you off. on talking about Holy Spirit. I'm talking about God. We're connected to God. But the expression of God in the earth is through the Holy Spirit right now, working in and through believers on the earth. That's why Jesus said, it's important that I go, because if I go, the Holy Spirit can come. And it's more needful for you, to, for you that he be here than me. <clears throat> That's good. So as I was looking at that, I said, all right, Lord, what is the, okay, the trees, the river, I got it. And he said, I want you to look at a redwood. I've never seen a redwood. I've heard about them, but I've never seen one. So he said, I want you to go study a redwood a little bit. Here's what I found out about a redwood. A redwood, their roots don't go real deep, around 8 or 9 foot deep. And these are trees that are 250, 75 foot tall, but they go wide. They said if the tree is 300 foot wide, the, the roots could be 900 foot wide. That's not even it. Because I was like, well, Lord, why the redwood? He said, the thing with redwoods is they always grow in groves. And the thing with redwoods is their roots are always intertwined. And that they don't rob from each other, they nourish each other. He said, the strength of the redwood that they can be, and also the sequoia tree, they're two different trees. I thought they were the same. That's because I'm smart like that. They get accused of being the same, but they're two different trees. The sequoia grows bigger this way. Uh, around they still grow tall but not as tall as a redwood but they grow the same redwood grows tall the tallest redwood i think is uh 275 foot or 300 i can't remember i've got it but for time i'm not going to tell it. you can go look it up it's general something they named it and that be the sequoia anyway uh these trees they grow in groves you don't see them alone and their, their roots are intertwined. And that's why they can take what they take when the wind goes and things like this. Also, here's what it said about a redwood. It's amazing. Is that the bark on a redwood is about 12 inches thick. 12 inches thick, the bark. The tree, the one that I was talking about that's so big, is over uh, 100 foot around to reach around the trees is over 100 foot. And so it's 275 or 300 feet tall and 100 foot around to reach around it. But it said that, here's what was so amazing. With a redwood, the bark is so thick. Listen, 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 listen. <laughs> Sorry, DR. That a fire is actually good for a redwood. Hmm. That fire is actually good because that, now there are fire... Resistant, but not fireproof. But the thing of it is this: when they're in a grove, what happens is what how the fire helps us. All these little things, other weeds and trees and stuff like that, which can rob life from them, when the fire comes through, it burns all those away. And not only does it burn those away, but here's the thing you need to know: when fire burns through a field, if you ever see a field catch on fire, look next year; it'll be the greenest field around. Because the nutrients that come from the burnt grass make the soil so rich. So it said that there they are even in uh, California, there are redwoods. that were, When there were fires, that the fire burnt all the way through the redwood. But the tree lived because the roots were so strong. And there are holes in the trees that where the, the bark grew inside the tree and grew into the hole to protect it, what was raw, And kept growing tall because of the root system. Because how it was connected. And the Lord said, see, we can quote all these scriptures about being like trees planted by the river of water. But if you're going to do it right, then you're going to be connected with others. You're not going to be your solo. And he showed me the pine tree. And I'll close with this. I'll probably preach on this again next week. Maybe, possibly, don't know. But the pine tree... It grows straight up and the root grows straight down. Because the Lord, you know, I've been, I'm just, be telling, here's how he's taught me. Because one of the things that I say a lot is I want to go deep, not wide, not just wide. Because we can be a mile wide and an inch deep. And the Lord showed me the redwood, because it's connected with others, it's not as deep as the pine tree, but it's a lot wider. <clears throat> it's not shallow, It's connected. The pine tree grows straight down, but you know what happens when wind comes to a pine tree? It bows straight over. You know why? Because it has no stability. And there are, in the body, there are those who grow up and they look majestic, they look big, they look tall, but they're not connected to anyone else. And when adversity comes or fire comes, you know what? They're gone. The wind blows them over. The fire consumes them. Why? Because they're not connected. They're not connected. Look, we can't do this alone. We've talked about it. And I I had in my scriptures to go back to Ephesians. I had in my scriptures to go back to Romans 12. Romans 12, we all know, 1 and 2, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Romans 12, 1, 2. You know where it goes from there? It begins to talk about the body and the gifts in the body and the importance of the body being together. Ephesians 4 talks about every joint supplying and the importance of the body being together. Jesus died for a body, not an organization, not a denomination. It was for a body. Why is that important? Because when I'm doing life with someone, when my life is intertwined with their life and something, a fire comes, I don't just die and I don't let them die. That I'm committed and I'm connected, and I say, you know what, I don't understand this. I didn't see it coming, but I'm here for you. You're not alone. Come on, somebody. You're not alone. It's that body that's vibrant. It's that body that can withstand when things doesn't, doesn't look exactly like we want it to look. It's that body that says, you know what? I'm not here on my own. This isn't just about me. It's about him and his kingdom. It's bigger than me, and I'm willing to give so that others can have. I'm willing to live so that others can live. I'm telling you, he taught me so much. Stephen and I talked. We went down. We was gonna learn Raphael something. We was gonna teach him some stuff just through relationship we knew he needed to know. And you know what's sweet? We got to speak into him. But you know why we got to speak into him? Because we did. You know how good the Lord is? We had a plan, not an agenda. And our plan was that we wanted to really share our hearts with Raphael. If we would have gone in on Monday and, and started with our agenda to let's handle the spiritual stuff and get it done, we would have messed up a whole lot of stuff. A whole lot of stuff. Because I had ideas in my plan that I thought needed to happen. But as I spent time with him and I did life with him, the Lord showed me that my idea was wrong. And had, I had an agenda they said, we're going to do this, 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 and this, then I would have made it worse instead of better. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. It's a work of art. Just like this painting that Joyce did. That's amazing. I looked at that, and I told her, I said, that would be so overwhelming to me. Because this doesn't even do justice. That's 17 foot wide, and how tall? 12 foot tall? Huh? 12 foot tall. So just put it in perspective. She paints on a little canvas over here on Sunday morning. That's a big canvas. And we got to do life together. So what's my takeaway? What is, what is all this rambling that you did today? My heart is this, is that we be connected like that redwood and that sequoia. That we quit trying to do life by ourselves. That we just quit being concerned. You know what's so beautiful? This is amazing. The redwood, and, and I, have I closed already? If I have, it's all good. Stop it, Stephen. The redwood, they have cones on them, and uh, they, can, they produce amazing fruit. It's a cone. It's not something that we would eat, but it's seed. It's, uh, I don't know if it's a pine cone or what it is. But the thing with the redwood, for the seed to get out of the cone, it doesn't fall on its own. It either has to have a little beetle or a squirrel. And when the beetle which we would think was attacking it. What happens when the beetle gets on the cone? It opens the cone, and it feeds the beetle, and the cone drops its seed. And the same is true with the squirrel. That's amazing. This big tree, even as big as it is, as connected as it is, for it to continue to reproduce after its kind, it needs others. That's good. That's so good. We've got to have each other. Not just so we can hold hands and sing kumbaya. So that we're there to encourage and strengthen each other. So we can hold hands and sing together. But it's more than that. So that we can be life and health and strength to one another. That we can really be those trees that are by the river that brings forth its fruit and its leaf does not wither. Amen. (laughs)